This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Nigel from ESPN Milwaukee. Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. And apparently Jay Hood, among those who is going to be booing William Regal if he ever returns to an AEW wing, if he was chased off tonight by John Moxley. Here on ESPN 1000, he is Jonathan Hood. So, of course, we're here because we need to break down Chris Jericho versus Ishii. That's, I mean, that's the reason we're doing this, right, on a Wednesday night, right? Like, that's... That's really what we wanted to talk about. Well, I'll say this. I've been watching wrestling for a long time. I've never seen someone gush blood from the chest. From the forehead, yes. From an arm, yes. From a chest, never seen that much blood coming out of someone's chest before, unless it was just some Marvel movie. We might not see ECE for a few months, but fans will always remember him as that guy that busted open a chest with his hand. So there's that. (laughs) There there is that. But the reason we're doing this tonight, uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Still wanted to have a a Thanksgiving week GKW. So we're doing a special live one after Dynamite, the Fallout show from Full Gear this past weekend, where, as expected, our new champion in AEW is MJF. We end up getting there in in a roundabout way of finally getting, you know, they kind of teased it a little bit. A couple people here may have been right. I was wrong. You're smart. I'm dumb. You're very good looking. I'm not attractive. Um, <laughs> but William Regal turns on Jonathan uh, on, on Mox in the match. Doesn't really give much of an explanation tonight either as part of the fallout. They're pushing that to next week when MJF returns from his movie set to AEW to address the crowd and the fans. Were you guys cool with this finish? Was this uh, was was this kind of what we were all expecting it? Uh, we already have someone from our YouTube, <laughs> YouTube.com, <laughs> Good Karma Wrestling, that says, Hood Bolton. Woo! All night long. That's okay. Listen, you don't want to say it, Gabe Neitzel, but I'll say it. Last week, when we were previewing this matchup, I said, guys, look out for a key. Regal was not in the booth. Usually he's there for all the, the combat club matches. He wasn't there. And he was not at ringside. All of a sudden, here he comes sauntering out to ringside. And I go, that's one of the keys. If he doesn't broadcast, if he's not at ringside, then something's happening. He comes to ringside, and then then we see the switch. How about that? So, it's, so listen, I'll be glad to say when I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to toot my horn, bro. It's but toot toot. There you go. Doesn't, doesn't seem like you're hating it, yeah, Jay. Hood. Doesn't all. seem like you're hating it even a little bit. No, but I think it shows. We've mentioned it before on this show. Obvious work. Sometimes we knew MJF was going to win. They were sort of planting those seeds with the firm. We're like, that seems a little too obvious. But him winning was the right decision. Was it a five-star match? No. But MJF as the world champion, in my eyes, all the way until his contract expires, so that's a full calendar year, that is the what is going to lead AEW into its next chapter, and I think he's going to give us some very entertaining storylines moving forward. Yeah, it was 100% the right call, because this was, this was what they were building towards when he returned. You knew that he was going to come in and be the guy, and yeah, he's going to have... It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Ricky Starks. I know that's somebody we've talked about as potentially somebody up and coming. Look, Ricky Starks isn't winning in a couple weeks. That winter is coming. I just, I'm curious if they make MJF look strong and use the ribs as an excuse, like, oh, he's not recovered, and make it a semi squash match, 
where they try to make MJF look a little bit stronger. I'm curious to see what they do there to make that intriguing for both guys, hopefully going forward. But there are a lot of matchups I think that people will want to see working their way through. And then much like, you know, if, if it ends up being a long championship reign, like you're talking about, Brian, then we get to have the fun just like we do in WWE with, uh, with Roman Reigns of, all right, who's the baby face that actually comes in and takes these belts in WWE's case, and this just a singular belt, off the champ. So a, a couple things at work here. The, the, so, yeah, I might have called the Regal thing, but I, what I did not know is I didn't know that MJF would wrestle as a baby face against Mox in Newark, and I didn't know how much support that MJF would get in Newark because he'll diss every city on the planet except for New York City because yeah. that's where he's from. So I didn't expect him, but if you notice, MJF wrestled kind of like as a baby face, and there was a lot of reaction to uh, what was going on with Moxley. He got booed a lot and was wrestling, I thought, kind of like a heel, but, but Moxley always wrestles like that. It's always aggressive. doesn't matter if he gets cheered or booed. He's always going to be aggressive. So I thought, I thought that was interesting. And then we could just parlay that into what we saw tonight in Chicago where you, I was asking, okay, so if Regal does turn, Regal can't wrestle anymore, so how does he defend himself? Okay, so now here comes Brian Danielson. Boy, people did not like that in Chicago at all. They said it was bullshit. They didn't like that because they said, well, what's Danielson doing here? Danielson, aren't you part of the, the Blackpool Combat Club? Shouldn't you be pissed at Regal too? So there's a lot of moving parts here that I did not expect you know, for tonight's Dynamite. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think Danielson is the logical next challenger at whenever the next pay-per-view is because I can't keep track of when AEW pay-per-views are anymore. So Danielson, MJF, I think, main event. Yeah, but I don't know when they are. One is during football February. season, so it's on Saturday. February? Okay. Really? It's, every, yeah. it's, it's one every quarter. Yeah. yeah February, February uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day, and November. All right. I guess you're pretty good at it. All right. I guess that's a me problem. <laughs> so, like, MJF versus Brian, I think, main events in February, of course, because that's when the next one is. Like, that seems to be the logical choice there. But I do have to wonder if Tony and the booking is a little concerned about that reaction to all their baby faces. Like, is MJF going to be that red hot face now to where everyone gets crapped on? I'm, I'm just, it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, to kind of figure this out because the, the crowds that we had in New York and then tonight, I mean, Chicago, Chicago, as much as I like to give Jay Hood, you know, crap for this, I mean, it is an A town. And when I've gone to shows there, I mean, the crowd is so, it's hot. Right, like the crowd was great tonight for the AEW show. They were into it. They were given all the chance. So the reaction tonight, where where Mox was just the most over babyface when he came out to go head to head with Regal, everyone's booing Regal. Like I, I just, I don't know if that's going to be the typical reaction because Chicago, Chicago, and I don't know if if MJF is going to be as over as he was. Uh, Saturday night in New Jersey, mostly as well because he cut a really scathing heel promo during the press conference after. It seems like he's really going to lean into being the heel versus kind of the tweener things he was doing, you know, where he was ripping on the crowd, but then, you know, adoring the crowd all in the same promo in the lead up to this match. My guess is he's going to be more straight heel, especially after the way Regal kind of played it tonight. I think that's it. Because Regal came out there first and kind of set the tone, I think we're just going to have an evil twosome. But it's just 
You know what really bugged me at the end of Full Gear is that, yes, MJF's the champion, but actually, you know, the announcer should have been saying, you know, why, Regal? Why would you turn? Why would you screw the Blackpool Combat Club? Why would this happen? They never asked that question. They were just looking at MJF. Go back and listen to the commentary. I'm like, I'm just sitting there like, wait, Regal, why would you? Like, I knew that was going to happen, but I'm still in the back of my mind. What's the backstory? Why? We're going to find out in Indianapolis, I guess, next week. Well, it's weird. It's almost like they needed a JR at the end. Like a JR yes. screaming, like, screw you, Regal. Like, what do you right. do, Regal? Like, <laughs> you that's not a good way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> Triple H, you son of a bitch. Why? Why? Just tell me why. Fade. Right. <laughs> right like, that would have yeah. been the way to go. And I think yes. overall, the thing to look back with AEW is like, we talked about it coming into the show that like, this was sort of a step forward, a new chapter. Like, look at their champions now. MJF, the acclaimed, Jamie Hayter, like, uh, I guess Joe, even to an extent, like, these are homegrown, like, I don't look at Joe as a WWE guy, like, these are guys and girls that they made, and I think it's pretty cool to see them representing now. I was waiting for you to get to Joe and realize, yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Samoa Joe. And look, again, I love that up. Joe. We were five before Bill kept the belt. That was screwed it up. Yeah. You know, the homegrown talent like Joe, Jericho. <laughs> Jericho's for another company. Don't forget that. He's not an well, AEW champion. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's a double champ, by the way. Yeah. Joe's just walking around double champ. So, Joe so with his own rules. He's in his own class. Yeah, it's true. Oh man, but I mean, yeah, look, it's. I think there are a lot of great stories they can tell with MJF going forward. Um, did you guys have any other takeaways from Full Gear uh, on Saturday night, and even then into the fallout tonight? Like, was so they go trio championship, and I thought personally, I thought the whole carry on my wayward son thing. I thought the Kansas song to me, it's a little too much. Like that. When they put like the lyrics or whatever, it's like, okay, come on, guys, like let the, let's just oh, come out. Come on, I, come on. It just it was it was a little too much for me. Oh. Come out to the song, cool, but like the like it was just yeah, doing like the lyrics before the song hit was kind of weird for me. Now, what, um, I'm sorry, what movie is that from, bro? It's I mean that's I mean it's from several it's from several movies. I have no idea. Oh, it's from, I know that it's a it's a, a song from back in the day that's become uh, in our focus over the last four or five years now. And so it, if you think it's corny, then it, it fits the elite, actually. That's great point. Yeah. Very good point there. Um, but what about the best of seven? We also saw match number two tonight, a death triangle up to nothing which to me is kind of telegraphing a 3 nothing lead that eventually gets blown, and the Elite is still going to win this thing in the end. Um, but what, what do you... seven being in L.A., that, that's a tell to you? I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you guys think of the decision to go best of seven? Well, I, I love the best of seven with these six because how often have you said, if you see a matchup, you said, boy, I can see that match again, or I can see that match over and over again. You know, we're going to get seven different finishes, and it's not all going to look the same. I mean, I think that all three of us are a big fan of all all six of those wrestlers. When we see the Elite and we see Death Triangle out there, you know they're going to give you 100%. And, you know, I'm sitting there just comfortably watching Dynamite, and I'm forgetting, oh, we get that match again, the same match we got from Full Game. All right, let's take a look, and it is going to be different. So I love that all six of these guys are going to go at it because it's going to be an A match. 
I can't see anything less than an A from all six of those guys yeah. because it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna be fun, fast, which I think a lot of wrestling fans are into. My issue though is like that result on Saturday, like the elite losing, like that was a surprise. That was one of the biggest surprises of the night. You assumed they were gonna win. Those titles were made for the three of them. And then you announce best of seven, you're like, oh, so that loss didn't really matter for a company that really totes, hey, wins and losses matter. So that's my only concern. But yes, those six, you can put them anywhere. You can put them in a gym with 10 people. They're going to perform. So from a match standpoint, yeah, we have plenty to look forward to with those six. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, if I were to really look back and make a list of like my top five favorite matches from AEW, like... Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros are probably like they've probably got at least three matches in that top five. Like it's they they've just they do ridiculous things. They have unbelievable chemistry. And then we talk about Pac and Kenny Omega. Like yeah, like all six of them end up having this tremendous chemistry where they figure out a way to make these again. It's it's the fight forever feel right. Like yeah, just go ahead and do this forever. Like do this forever because you find a way to have similar moves but presented in a different way and it's again it's fantastic so yeah that from that standpoint it's very exciting yes it does cheapen the win a little bit because we did not know this was coming and you're going oh i'm shocked and then all of a sudden they're like oh yeah best of seven you're going oh, that's kind of weird and the scheduling is mapped out kind of weird and now we'll get into this a little bit later in the show but we know because we know kenny omega is going to be missing the show at the beginning of the year at least presumably since he'll be at wrestle kingdom going uh, up against will osprey in japan so they had to space it out and maybe that's fine because ultimately they're in la and that will be the coronation for the young bucks you know, being from, from that area and, and Kenny Omega. So that's, that's presumably what's going to happen in, in the seven, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun ride along the way. I do hope they don't do the three Oh thing. Cause that to me is just going to, you know, let, let's like just have a little back and forth here, you know, two, one, two, two, kind, kind of go back and forth instead of going three, three or three, four, whatever you're going to end up doing to have the young bucks and Kenny Omega come out on top. I just like the idea that I can get a banger every time I watch AEW with those six. You know, the, the, the show might be a B minus. The rest of the show may not be good. But when I see all those those six guys, I know it's going to be great. So if nothing else, that guarantees that this is going to be terrific. And, and by the way, just to see the Bucks and Omega out there again, guys, I think that's fun. A lot of fans are into it. Um, A, a couple of things with the Bucks and Omega. And not just from Full Gear, but also Dynamite in Chicago. Can I just tell you something? Don't go to the press and say, this whole CM Punk thing, you know, we really can't talk about it. And so all the fans should let it go. And then when Chicago fans and Newark fans say you F CM Punk, then you got Nick Jackson gesticulating on the, on the outside the ring like, yeah, give me more, give me more, F CM Punk, yeah. Yeah, like you can't say let's not talk about it when you're egging the fans on for more. They can't do that. They also, by the way, on the BTE that made its return this week, they have a match recap. They show highlights. There's music playing the entire time. And then when they get to that part of the match, the music cuts out, and all you hear is the crowd. So, yeah, that sort of uh, tees up with what yeah. you were saying there. Yeah, just don't, don't, don't do it. And so, and by the way, this A crowd, you know, I love Chicago and I love Windfrust. So I'm getting the FCM Punk uh, chant in Chicago. Wow. I mean, yeah. how quickly we turn, right? Here's the hero coming back, sold out out of nowhere at the United Center. Tears coming down grown men's faces. CM Punk's back. Oh, my God. CM Punk's back. And now we get FCM Punk in the same city. Wow. How quickly we turn on the hero. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. 
Yeah, I was not expecting that in Chicago tonight. Even though there were some CM Punk chants uh, initially when they came out, it wasn't they – it was pretty – Split crowd, it seemed like, when initially the Elite came out for their match tonight, where there were some boos, there were some cheers. Uh, there well, was some chance for just CM Punk straight up. They were the heels. The Elite were the heels. Oh, um, yeah. Uh-huh. Every every show in Chicago that AEW's done, the two, I would say one of the top cheers is always um, the Death Triangle. That, like, because you have a, a hot... You have a number of Mexican uh, wrestling fans that are there. They bring the flags. They, they might have Suzu Velas there. Who knows? Uh, I've heard that from time to time as well. So they make a lot of noise. I mean, top three pop always is when Death Triangle comes out there. So it's wrong for me because of the fact that they're playing up the punk stuff to start thinking again that it is a work and we see punk back in AEW? That's a hell of a question. Why do I? I mean, until he's and by the way, once again, another check by the way of aw.com. Is, is he on the roster? Let's <laughs> he say, the phone ready. you see that game? <laughs> the Rowitz weekly check in of <laughs> is CM Punk listed on the roster at aew.com? Uh, immediately, um, he's got he's but he's there for us though. Immediately <laughs> with the phone to check whether or not that he's on the roster. No cookies. Let's see what's next. Uh, hold on. What do you have there? Trying to work it here. I'm yes. checking. I'm checking. Here we go. All right. Uh, B, C, Brody King, Cash Wheeler, Chris Jericho, Christian. Oh, Cla- oh. there's the man again. Still there. Uh, <laughs> still there. Uh, in 2022, 21 and 2 in his career. Uh-huh. Quickly, quickly before we move on to Survivor Series War Games, uh, just your quick impression. We talked about it a little bit last week. Soraya, her in-ring debut for AEW, returning to wrestling for the first time in five years. Your impressions of Soraya in her match in victory over the Doctor. Um, Britt Baker carried Soraya through that match. And Soraya in the press conference said as much. Go back and watch that match and just see how Britt Baker was trying to lead her on. I mean, Soraya looked like she hasn't wrestled in five years because she has not, or however long it's been. And Britt Baker carried her through that matchup. We were wondering how good that match would be, and I think that Britt did a good job of carrying her. Um, you know, I, it's not to finish I want it, but I understand that you're trying to elevate everyone in this women's division. We've talked about this many times for our, our new viewers and listeners on Good Karma Wrestling. The three of us have talked so much about how this women's division's got to get better. Listen, if, even at WWE, they've had their our, their challenges of trying to get the women's division just right. And then all of a sudden you got Becky and Charlotte and you got you know all these people being able to rise and help out the women's division. Same thing AEW. They need help as well. But I, I like that match um, from Britt Baker's standpoint. Uh, so, uh, so there's that. No, I think overall, like, yeah, it was what we expected. I think it was good. Like, I think the crowd got behind it. She obviously was emotional. Like, there was some stuff for like, ah, like, cringy a little bit, but We've talked about also, like, there's no house shows, so there really is no place for her to sort of work out those kinks. I am curious to see what's next now. Like, Britt seems to be doing stuff with Jamie. That seems to be her route. So where do they go with Soraya? Like, is she the one to beat Jade? Like, what is next for her, I think, is the interesting part. Uh, Gabe, did you did you like Full Gear? Are you good? Did you like the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the show was good. Like, I thought it started off, um, you know, I'll probably talk about it a little bit when we go match of the night, but the, the, the way they started off with the cage match, um, I think it really set the tone. And it's, we whether it's a premium live event from WWE or pay-per-view, like, most of the matches that you're going to see are going to deliver. Like, the, these 
men and women are so incredibly talented that, yeah, sometimes the lead up is incredibly disappointing and you just don't feel it. Not every lead up can be MJ Moxley. You know, I know that's that's one we enjoyed. You know, Soraya DM and, and Britt Baker was kind of like, eh, you know, especially the way it kind of ended up where Britt was really roasting Soraya. Um, but I, I thought, I think that the pay-per-view delivered. They only do four of these a year. And I think they, at the end of the night, I think they delivered. They had the surprise of the Bucks losing. They had the surprise of Samoa Joe winning. Um, you know, I think nobody was surprised that Jamie Hayter won the women's championship. I think that was expected. MJF was expected. So you had the surprises and you had the matches that delivered in the ring. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I did not get tired uh, watching it. I enjoyed watching it from start to finish. I know that there's some lulls here and there. You know, I think a lot of people that watch it um, – they they look at a matchup or they look at a card based on how the crowd feels, right? Mm. It's actually based on how I feel. Do I like the match or not? If the crowd's dead or the crowd is alive, either way, I'm excited if it's something I want to see. And I thought that throughout, for the most part, bro, it's, I liked everything I saw. I always measure it this way. What was the worst match I saw? Well, I saw Jade Cargill, you know, and yeah. I saw her matchup. And my, my question to Jade Cargill is this. Like, someone takes something from you like a belt for a month. And then you finally uh, confront this person that stole your belt. When you first see them, do you start uh, kicking their ass, punch them in the face, or do you start with forearm smashes to the chest? You've been mad that, that, that your opponent took your belt for a month. And then you start off looking great, by the way, in your Thundercats outfit. But at the same time, you can't, you know, punch that her in the face, Nyla Rose in the face. I mean, she stole your belt. So I, I, that was a disconnect for me. Otherwise, I thought it was a fine card. Yeah, like in terms of the bottom of the card, like there's that match. Like that's one of the longer matches we've seen from Jade. And I almost feel like it was them saying, hey, like take a shot going, you know, 10 minutes. And no, it didn't quite deliver. The only other match I was disappointed, like Sting and Darby, like I don't need Jeff Jarrett on my TV anymore. Like Sting's going to do his part. I still keep waiting. Like what is the Sting singles match? Like, is it Darby at this point, or do we just never get a Sting singles match? Because, like, that's my question every time I see him out there right now, because he does get it done, but, like, that match overall, like, I'm done with Double J. We're, we're good. We don't need him anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, we got more Double J, the last outlaw on your television tonight. But I don't think we get that Sting singles match. He is really? participating in the not greatly named um, the Great Muda bye-bye, you know, last match bye-bye or whatever they're calling it. Apparently he's bringing Darby Allen with him to fight. They don't, we don't know who they're facing, but we know no. that Muda, Sting, and Darby Allen are teaming up during that, that Noah event. So I, I still can't believe they haven't changed the name of it. Like I saw the art, like I see this news break. I'm like, how have you not changed this yet? How is this still the name of this event? Please do not do this. Muda bye bye match is that? Was yes, that was? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I feel uncomfortable. Uh, even yeah, mm -hmm. the name. I just feel like we fired any moment now. Uh, but that's yeah. the name of it, though. I, mean, I understand. Uh, I, you want to fight? I'll fight you, bro. It's want to fight? Want to fight? Want to fight? What if, I, what if I told you that the way that Sting is being, uh, the way he's wrestling, mm -hmm. is better than the Undertaker toward the end? He's oh, hundred percent. Oh. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that he's doing is amazing at his age. He's doing stuff now he didn't do in his prime, which right. I find interesting, right? 1990 Surfer Sting wasn't <laughs> doing this stuff like Old Man Sting's doing. No, that's fair. I agree. Like, it is definitely a lot better. But I do think, like, to sort of give him that moment, like, 
I don't want to compare it to Flair because that wasn't quite the right way to do it because that was about 20 years past when it should have been done. Oh, don't worry. He's going to do it again, Brian. He's got another chance. Okay. That's that's All not right. the actual last match. He's got another last match coming. He'll get the next one right. Okay. Good point. <laughs> but to give him that match, and I feel like Darby is the perfect guy to do it with. Like, let Darby clean, uh, clean win, center on the ring. Like, that could be a fun one-on-one -on -one match. I think you just booked something that no one's talking about. I think that's pretty good because didn't we think that um, – the leader of the House of Black is supposed to take on Sting. Remember, they were yes. facing they oh, were, yeah. Yeah. Malachi. Malachi, Malachi right? They're they're supposed to be they were face to face for a long time, and that then Malachi left, and we said, Okay, where's this last sting match? They've taken care of Sting so well, man. I mean, whatever you would think of him and Darby Allen, he's been taken care of. Like Sting does his spots, but you know Darby Allen's all over the place. For a guy that's 61, 62 years of age, dressed in black. He's been able to do some fantastic things. Like at his age, it's amazing. I mean, the other thing we've talked about FTR being the number one contender for what feels like a year and a half now. Sting and Darby have never lost to the tag team. Do they need a tag team title shot? Undefeated. Wow. That's a, you know what? Wait, I'll tell you what. Wait, are, you, are, you break, are you booking them break up or are you booking them to stay yet? Now I'm confused. I don't know, now I don't know what, what you're doing. doing. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to give options to the booking. The guys with the pencil, I'm here to give some options. Wow. Let me text Shivani. <laughs> I'm going to call Tony right now. Tony, guess what? Steve! I'll do it right now. All right. Quickly, we do have an interview with Anthony Bowens, one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Acclaim. That, that is going to be coming up in just a little bit. Uh, had a lot Fun conversation with him. I uh, can't wait for you to hear that. But first, we do have to preview. We do have the final, as Brian said, the final premium live event of the year coming your way, Survivor Series War Games. Uh, still one announcement that has to be made. They have to fill out the women's match and who the uh, the final face is going to be on that side for the War Games match. But kind of surprisingly, Kevin Owens ends up being the fifth member of the men's face team as uh, as he came out. Friday night on SmackDown. I was, I'm sorry, I was texting Shivani. Great idea. Don't put anyone's phone number out there. <laughs> well, there's two numbers there. I don't know which one is going to answer. Maybe the bad phone. Um, you know, last week we weren't, we weren't sure, Gabe, if Kevin Owens would be healthy because we were wondering who could be the next man. We mm -hmm. didn't know. And so it looks like that he'll be healthy enough, and I think that's going to be fun. Um, we know what the best match is going to be. We already know here in this War Games that the bloodline with the Brutes and McIntyre and Owens is going to be fantastic. Uh, and, and, again, as we always say on Good Karma Wrestling, once you put it in the ring, it's going to be fine. But my issue is the lack of heat in this, is that when you do have War Games, it's supposed to be the ultimate blow-off. Whatever happens here, that's the end of the feud. But I don't even feel a feud here as much as it is activity between 10 men. I will say this. Kevin Owens did a hell of a job using past, you know, because he was he was one of the first ones. And it was something that he had brought up, I don't know, a couple of months ago, the last time we really saw him on television before he was kind of taken off and then dealing with an injury and, and all this mystery as to why he has not been on our television sets over the past couple of months. But he did a good job, I think, on Friday night kind of setting – or then coming out on Monday night, yeah, opening up the show on Raw on Monday night, setting the table using that past history of why he needs to get his hands on Roman Reigns so badly that it has to be War Games. KO, magnificent on the microphone to the shock of absolutely no one, did a great job of selling the match and trying to get it to a point 
where WWE couldn't get to it because, well, they just had a premium live event two weeks ago. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think from the women's standpoint, though, that TBD, that extra, that mystery, like they're setting themselves up for potential disappointment. If they come out there on Saturday and it's, you know, Raquel Rodriguez as the fifth <laughs> of that team, like you are setting yourselves up for disappointment. So I am curious to see how they manage that this weekend. Uh, well, so I think it's supposed to be revealed on Friday night. I think they're revealing oh, it before okay. the okay. event on Saturday. Um, yes, and if it ends up being Raquel, she's going to get booed like poor Rey Mysterio got booed when he was the 30th in the Royal Rumble and he wasn't Daniel Bryan. Well, that's like, that's... if they do it Friday, then I think that's fine. Like, it's not okay for the match, but it's whatever in terms of expectations. That's going to be my Edge. guess. That's going to be Edge's wife, right? That the I thought wife? it was. I thought it was going to be Becky. Is she ready? I don't. Again, I don't know. I'm I, I, Edge. Edge's wife. Or, yeah, I guess or you could do the the Rhea thing from storyline standpoint, but I guess it goes to your point. There's no heat with anyone else there. Uh, you think it's Becky Lynch? You know, is she healthy and ready to go? I don't I know that. I have no idea. But again, to not announce it Monday night on Raw, like it, it has to be to me. It has to be someone big, and I don't think it's going to be as as we've discussed. I don't think you can do Sasha. You can't do Naomi. If and when they ever come back, it seemingly has to be as a duo. And, and like, there's just nobody else left as to, but, you know, why, why won't you do what AEW did today and just bury Thunder Rosa in the middle of the show? Like just bury whoever the fifth is in the middle of raw, you know, at that eight thirty central time, you know, just, Oh, and the fifth member is going to be Aliyah. Like, I mean, so <laughs> it's gotta be, you know, so it's gotta be Beth Phoenix would make sense. Cause she's certainly a big enough name. And I think Becky Lynch, like those are the only two that make sense to me at this point. I think the Glamazon would work out well for that, um, or Thunder Rosa. Uh, that I mean, you want, you want? How about that? How about that? Oh, fresh suddenly she's AD, healthy. Fresh off AD, fresh off AEW TV. All of a sudden, you drop Thunder Rosa in there for her to kick some ass. That would be awesome. I mean, that's what wrestling is supposed to be. The whole thing where there's some free agents out there you don't know is going to be, and all of a sudden locked in the steel cage is this whirling dervish like Thunder Rosa. <laughs> That'd be something. That would be something, but I, which but I, I would be very excited for. But so, but, but I think I'm I'm betting on the Glamazon. I think Beth Phoenix is going to be the fifth person. I, I think that's a good one, and I think just looking down the rest of this card, like there really isn't much else that sticks out. I mean, Finn versus AJ, we know will deliver because that's what those two do. Like, it doesn't matter where or when that is. The rest of it, I mean, whatever. We got Shotzi versus Ronda and Rollins Lashley threat. Theory. Yeah, Rollins Lashley Theory will be good in the ring. Like, I think that's, that's going to end up being a fun match. Like, Lashley's going to absolutely destroy things. Rollins will probably end up retaining and pinning Theory, and it'll be a good time. It is a good time. We're on the on uh, Twitch at Good Karma Wrestling on Twitch and also the ESPN 1000 Twitch as well. But, I mean, two great events, AW and the Bulls beat the Bucks tonight. How about that? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I was watching AW. I did, did not watch a single single wow. quarter of basketball tonight. Interesting. Didn't know that was happening. So it's a great night in Chicago, I guess. <laughs> before, before we get to our Anthony Bowens interview, let's go ahead and dive into news and notes. And Brian Paul, there's really only one worth talking about. That's right. Early January, January 4th to be exact, Wrestle Kingdom was announced this week. A one-night Wrestle Kingdom this year. Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, one-on-one in Japan. What a weekend for Kenny. Yeah. 
okay, so <laughs> we have to be able to watch that. We'll be watching that. I uh, can't wait to talk about that. Right and early uh, here uh, we're in uh, the States. I think it's what, at like 3 a.m. Eastern, I believe? <laughs> well, Gabe and I are morning people. We'll be up. <laughs> <laughs> we're morning shows we'll, we'll be up but but of course you know the first thing you think about is is uh, aw right so he just won't be there for the aw dynamite that week huh nope, nope. well and, and if you happen to notice the you know the schedule of the seven matches you know at that point you're in the if necessary portion of the schedule well there is no match scheduled for january 4th in washington my guess is that is that available. That's so they can accommodate Kenny, so he can be over in Japan wrestling Will Ospreay. Instead, he'll be on Rampage. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't try to sneak one of these onto Rampage. To be completely honest with you, to sneak one of them on there, just try to give Rampage a little bit of a rub. That is true. <laughs> I think Tony Khan realizes even that match can't help Rampage lately. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, they're hemorrhaging. I, mean, I appreciate the Black Friday special. I know, I guess, I know it's a really, really, really busy sports weekend uh, around this Thanksgiving, but my God, four o'clock Eastern, huh? Yeah, that, that is an odd one. Also, by the way, Wrestle Kingdom, FDR is scheduled to be on that show, so they won't be at AEW, but that's no different than most weeks. But hey, we get them on Rampage this week against Top Flight at 4 o'clock Eastern. So that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not right. What are they doing, man? That's just not right. Like, I appreciate the bowl that they just fed to FTR. Like, hey, you know, we respect you. We respect you. All right, see you at 4 o'clock Eastern. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That's just so unfortunate. I mean, <sighs> FTR, all those championships, but can't get on TV. It's amazing. It is amazing. All right, quickly, match of the week. What was your favorite match that you got to see over the past seven days in professional wrestling? Well, boy, that is a that's a tough one. We've had so many good ones. Like I really liked what I saw at Full Gear. It's funny you're mentioning right at the top, right, Luchasaurus and his matchup there against Jack Perry. Like that's a better match than I thought it was going to be for the opener. I didn't expect Jack Perry to get busted open like that. Um, I like that. Um, that six man that we just saw here, the, the one, the first one at full gear, I thought that that was phenomenal. But, of course, I always love that match as well. So those are two off the top of my head. I mean, you want to talk about the aggression that was kind of missing in the um, Nyla Rose and, and Jade Cargill match? Like, it was there. Like you in the in the opening match in a cage, like oh this is the blow off. We're in a cage. Jungle Boy's pissed off. Luchasaurus is ready to go. Like they just and, and it absolutely delivered. Jungle Boy, yeah, Jungle Boy delivered in the way that he can go in the ring and the way he continues to improve. I mean, he could very well be on that short list of people who beat MJF in a year or so to be new AEW World Champ. It's it's certainly possible with the way that he has been able to climb in that match was definitely my favorite. It was a great way to, to, to set the tone. I also want to give a shout out. I thought as, as good of work as Rhea Ripley has done as a character, mm-hmm. I thought that she delivered in the main event against Asuka on Monday Night on Raw. I, I really enjoyed that. And we haven't got to see a lot of Rhea in the ring. I know she's been dealing with some injuries as of late, and she's just done such a good job of carrying the Judgment Day kind of as the de facto leader, I guess. I don't know if they really have designated a leader. She kind of seems like she's the main character of the whole thing. So I kind of lean towards her being that. But she can go in the ring, and it was a nice reminder how good she can be in ring on Monday night. I, I mean, Matt, I'm going to mention, yeah, like the trios match. I sort of heard you guys mention that. How about Jamie and Tony Storm? You talk about aggression. Like 
those two delivered on Saturday. Like, they were laying into each other. Like, I thought that was a really fun performance from those two. And I think a star-making moment for both of them to say, okay, hey, this women's division can lean on both of these women. I liked, I liked those two going at it. I just didn't like all that interference. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it was, it was overbooked. I mean, who, who booked that match? Triple H? There was so much interference. I mean, seriously, like, it, it, but I wanted those two because that was my sleeper match. I told you when we were previewing the the card, I said I think that could be a sleeper match one on one. Why can't Tony Storm just lose? She can't lose clean. She can't lose clean. She, I mean, I, I understand that that Tony Khan loves Tony Storm, and who doesn't? I mean, look at her, and she's a terrific uh, wrestler. But the point is, though, is like she can lose clean if it's Jamie Hader's time. Let it be Jamie Hader's time winning clean, and that's not what happened. But I'm glad yeah, you know so. Yeah. Yeah, no, to your point, bro, I think if they avoid all that all that interference that they had, that yeah, it, if they allowed both women to just kind of stand in their own two feet, it it could have come away with like this was probably the best match that Tony Storm has had in AEW. And, oh yeah, and these two are certainly that but it's it wasn't presented that way. It was of course Britt Baker had to be involved. And that seems to be the next route with Jamie, almost like, I guess, evolution style, where we sort of see where that split is. We saw, you know, those seeds begin to be planted tonight. And I think it'll be a fun send-off with those two. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Evolution style. I know what you mean. Also, you're saying that she's going to be – she's Randy Orton in this situation? Yes, I think so. Oh, I see. It was on the shoulders of Batista, and then Triple H does the thumbs down, and then they turn on Randy? Okay, I got you saying. <laughs> So you're saying Jamie Hayter's going to be a baby face then? She's giving the reaction so. like a baby face. So. She's yeah. so over right now. I think Britt works better as a heel. Let Jamie stay as a face and just go down that route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I still think they made a mistake um, keeping them together when they were mm-hmm. – it seemed like they were down the road and then they decided to, oh, swerve in our glory. No, actually, you're still together. I know you guys were fighting. I know things seem bad, but now everything's actually okay. Man, so so what's up with this? Like, I've got an Imperium T-shirt on because three of the four are still around. I mean, because okay. Wolf's gone, Desmond Wolf's gone, but at least that faction, three of the four. So we just can't get faction T-shirts anymore, and pretty no. much, right? I mean, so I mean, the Blackpool Combat Club, hot merch, right? That's not even a thing. Like, Gabe was the first one to say, "Yes, yeah, Blackpool Combat Club," but you know, Danielson never wears the gear, so is he really <laughs> part of it or not? Right? Did you see how how? Quick, that thing disbanded. Where you said Wheeler Yuta's over here, and you've got Moxley over here. Just kind of like the merch was hot, and now there's no need for a Blackpool Combat Club because the Blackpool guy now is with MJF. What happened? <laughs> That's there. Or is, is he in the company? MJ uh, Mox told him to walk away forever. So <laughs> I, I don't know if we can ever see him again. Otherwise, he might kill him. And as Brian Danielson pointed out, like if he puts his hands on it, there's a good chance that Regal dies. There's a lot of things wrong physically with that man. Yeah, I just have the, just the idea that we were wondering how would this work, right? If Regal can't wrestle anymore, so how can he defend himself? Danielson puts himself in the middle. So does Danielson go with Regal? He's in the middle, talking about his dad. Nobody believed that. All I heard was bullshit from the fans <laughs> of Chicago. They didn't like that storyline at all. No. Anytime. No, luckily they got MJF coming back next week, so he might be able to save the angle, whatever they're planning on the angle being in that situation. That'll do it for us uh, in terms of a quick recap and preview, but we do have a great interview coming up next year on Good Karma Wrestling where we talk with one half of the AEW Tag Team Champions, Anthony Bowens. Just a reminder, we go back to our regular time, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Next week, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Rampage time.
the AEW Tag Team Champions, the acclaimed. We welcome in Two Good Karma Wrestling, Anthony Bowens. Anthony, thank you so much for the time, man. Thanks for having me. Well, so you started right there, so we'll dive in right there. Um, at what a where did Scissor Me Daddy ass come from? Like where did like and then B at what point did you realize you guys got over something as <laughs> sophomoric as Scissor Me Daddy ass? Because again, I'm one of those people I can't get enough of it. So um, the the scissoring thing originated as a almost like a rib on me back like two years ago because our, our our hand symbol is the the A with the fingers and Caster came up from behind and did it on a dark back in the pandemic tapings and I was like, <gasps> like I don't know if we could do that. <laughs> and, uh, they told us to not do it like we they were like kind of iffy about it and then I guess we were renegades at some point and just started doing it again and we started to realize that. Um, I say this all the time. I was laying on the ground on one of the matches, and then I saw everyone's hands in the front row, like with their fingers over the railing. And I knew we we're onto something, so I really started leaning into it. And then once we started uh, getting rolling with the uh, the ass boys and, and and daddy ass, I was in the wheelchair because my knee was hurt, and I think we're I can't remember what show it was, but we were about three or three to five minutes away from going live on television. And I'm sitting there, and I was trying to think of an ending. To because uh, anytime we had the entrance with the with the ass boys, I'd get the crowd to to chant that at them. But it just felt like it needed uh, a, a punctuation mark at the end of it. And um, I was sitting there, and it just kind of popped into my head, and I started laughing to myself. And I didn't tell anybody. I think I told Billy. I was like, I think I'm gonna call you Daddy Ass, and he just smiled and went. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess he likes it. So I went out and I said it and I came back. No one said a word to me about it. And I saw it was trending on Twitter and I realized that this is something. And the next week there was, not, there was like scissor me signs. Um, and then after that, I just, I dove headfirst into it. It became, became a thing. I, they, we had trouble getting t-shirts at first. I think uh, um, we, we were getting some pushback, but I kept fighting. And within a couple months we got it. And then it became the, best-selling shirt of 2022 so it's been a crazy last couple of months well sort of along those lines what is that feeling then when you know there are foam fingers and there's national scissoring day and you're having these conversations where i'm sure you have to keep a straight face what are those conversations <laughs> like you're pushing this forward i mean it's interesting i get scissored in airports bathrooms bars, <laughs> uh airplanes hotels i scissor everyone everywhere gym it's it's fun like it's caught on um the philadelphia phillies were doing it so the Cavs were doing it somebody told me the phoenix suns were doing it on the court so it's a fun handshake as i said on national scissoring day scissoring is a sign of friendship and nothing more um if your dirty minds want to go elsewhere go ahead <laughs> but it's you know it's a fun handshake you got the fist pound and all these other things why not toss in a scissor so let's go back to the creation of the acclaim because you had some individual matches. You were wrestling for some different promotion, you know, heavyweight championships, one famously with, uh, with Drew Galloway and, and you get to AEW, you get paired up with Max. Was that something that, you know, you, you wanted to explore tag team wrestling. You didn't want to be in a tag team. And, and how is that relationship with Max really obviously worked out for you? So it came as a surprise because Max and I were singles wrestlers on the uh, independents. Max had the, uh, well, he was in a little group called the, the Shook Crew. Um, I was doing my own thing as the five to a player on the independents. Um, 
and excuse me, and we were both trying to obviously get signed somewhere. And we had offers from the other company and we were kind of trying to figure out what to do. And then Tony found out about this, flew us down to Jacksonville, uh, unbeknownst to each other. And uh, I happened to get on the elevator and there was Caster who I have known him because he trains at our sister school in uh, Creator Pro New York in Long Island. I'm in Creator Pro New Jersey in, in uh, Rawway. Um, I think I had like a six-way match with him at one point, but I just didn't know much about him. I just knew him from training. And um, I was like, oh, hey, Max, like, what's going on? What are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm here to meet Tony. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm here to meet Tony. And then eventually we found out that we were here to meet Tony together. Uh, we were brought in. Tony laid out like, hey, I like you both. I think um, I've had this vision to have a tag team in AEW called The Acclaimed. I think you guys would be a good fit for it. Um, we didn't know what it was. We just knew that, you know, Max had been doing um, – Max is a rapper. He's been doing this, making music all his life. Um, he's incorporated that into uh, what he does in wrestling. So I knew he rapped, and I was com the complete opposite of what he was doing. So – we didn't know what the acclaimed was. We had to figure that out. We went out and wrestled uh, maybe two hours later against best friends, came back to the curtain. Tony gave a thumbs up, and we had contracts in front of us uh, the next day. And then from there, it was just a matter of, you know, we, we, we knew we had some sort of chemistry just from that match. It was a matter of trying to figure out, you know, we need catchphrases, we need gear, we need a move set, we need to get to know each other on a personal basis. So we, it was hard to do because we're in the pandemic and um, we don't have a performance center. So everything that we had to try <clears throat> as a team and uh, everything we need to do to gel together had to be done on dark in front of people every single week. And I think that's also the cool thing of the acclaimed is that, you know, most of the time you don't see, unless you have like a documentary or something, you don't see the training going on behind the scenes or like what it took to figure out what our finishing move is or what, um, you know, what we do together as a team on on screen but us you can you can literally go back to day one on dark and watch every single week as we added something to our presentation um took away things our gear got better our matches got better and you can see that from day one all the way through current day as the aew tag team champions i don't think you can do that with anybody else in professional wrestling well, how fulfilling of a feeling is it then to go from that step to where you were to not even just winning the titles at Grand Slam, but all out and the way it sort of just spilled over the crowd, everyone there said, OK, we want these guys to be our champs. How fulfilling of a feeling is that for you? Oh, it's incredible. It's I'm extremely grateful to um, one to have built up such a connection with the audience to the point where they were demanding that, you know, they were demanding that we be elevated. And um, it's cool. You know, you get to do these meet and greets and everybody wants to scissor and they thank you for getting them back. into. Like, we love hearing, hey, I, I was a wrestling fan forever and I kind of got out of it, but you guys brought me back. We love stuff like that. And then to go back and to watch the footage of um, all these insane crowd reactions and, you know, the second our sirens hit, you know, if the crowd's kind of sleepy, woof. They come right up, and Max drops his disses. I scream. We have arrived. I scissor daddy ass, and people just, <laughs> people enjoy it. So what's it been like working with you know Billy Gunn? He was a part of one of the most famous factions of all time. And ha has how much has that helped you and Max being a tag team and having him along for this rise that you've been on for the last six, seven, eight months? 
extremely helpful. He's he's a huge asset to us and and the company in, in terms of trying to figure out you know strategies against our opponents. Like we might have an idea of what we want to do to attack something, a body part or such. And he goes, no, no, you could do this. And he's always right. <laughs> he's never. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff he says works. So he's been a huge uh, mentor. So it's like what we're doing on screen is pretty much reflective of what it's like off screen. He's been a huge father figure to us, and we're greatly appreciative to, to have him with us. As someone in the 30s growing up here in the Attitude Era, what's it like just being in that locker room then? The Billy Gunn, the you know, Captain Insano a week ago. What's it like being able to walk along the halls and just pick the brains of so many guys like that? It's great. Like sometimes I have to take a step back and be like, okay, well, these are all my heroes going up, and now they're my coworkers, and um, it's a, a unlimited amount of knowledge to to pick from. Depending on you know any literally anything in wrestling that you want to know or you have a question about, you can go. You know, you go to F- FTR, you can go to Danielson, you can go to Jericho, you can go to Daddy Ass, you can go to Big Show, or excuse me, Paul White. Um, you can go to any of these guys, and they're so open and they're willing to to share their knowledge to help the next crop of uh, superstars uh, continue to get better. So you brought it up, and, and all those guys you can go into the locker room. What would you say? We, I mean, it, it's the obligatory question we always have to ask. What are things like inside the AEW locker room? Because, again, it just always seems like something comes up. What is it like inside the AEW locker room? I don't get – see – that's the problem with no offense guys the media sometimes <laughs> people like to throw these headlines out there and they read one and they'll read it from another site and they'll read it for a third site and all of a sudden they've built the, this perception of oh my god it's chaos it's nothing like what you're reading i i really enjoy our locker room um all the stuff that we t- like I, I will read dirt sheets from time to time just to see how accurate they are and surprisingly they're not accurate because I'll be like, oh, I'm right there. That, that never happened so please take what you read on the internet with a grain of salt because there are a lot of fabrications. A lot of people need clicks for their websites, so they're going to put the most dramatic headline that there is out there. Um, just know that all is well. The company's doing well. Um, it's a fun place to be. That's why I love I really enjoy coming to work every single week. It's exciting. There hasn't been a moment where I'm like, oh, this is dreadful. Oh, my God, there's so much drop. It's not like that at all. You talk about headlines from a positive headline standpoint. You tweeted after you guys won the titles at Bowens underscore official first ever AEW openly gay champion. What does that mean to you to have that representation to say, Hey, look at me as a champion on your TV every week. What does that mean to you? It means a lot. And it's an honor because sitting in this, my childhood room right now, <laughs> I had a lot of, um, Terrible, terrible, a lot of great memories here, but a lot of terrible ones of sitting here just flustered and scared and upset, a lot of crying, um, of trying to figure out what my future would be, what it would hold, would I be able to be a professional wrestler? Because there wasn't um, any like LGBT representation out there that was in pro wrestling that was successful for me to go, hey, I can you know be like this person and be okay. Um, so to be that person on television every week uh, representing the community, uh, the community positively and also as AEW tag team champion, it's one, it's surreal. I wish I can go back and tell myself like, Hey, it's going to be totally okay. <laughs> it's actually, it's going to be amazing. Um, that would probably have solved a lot of issues, but if my presence on television every single week can help somebody uh, not go through that, that means a, a whole lot to me. So, at Grand Slam, we, we talked a little bit about All Out and, and the emotions of that. What's it like going into a match 
at Grand Slam where the, the, the crowd response the last time you you wrestled against Swerve in Our Glory was so overwhelmingly positive for you that seemingly this match had to happen at Grand Slam. You know it's going to be ending in a good way for you. How do you control your emotions heading into something like that? Well, here's the thing. Like, you never know how things are going to go. In the middle of the match, Max, you know, had a, his knee gave out on him, and that could have given us trouble. That could have cost us the match, but luckily he fought through. You know, when we go into these situations, specifically like this, where we know we're in our home turf and we have, you know, an arena full of 17, 18,000 people who are gunning for us. It, it feels like you're going into war and you have the best backing possible. It's like it's two versus 17,000 uh, or 17,002. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy feeling. It's a rush of adrenaline. Um, it's exciting. I'm so happy that we were able to pull out the win, especially in front of the New York crowd, in front of my uh, my friends, my family. My boyfriend came out. Uh, his family was there. And somehow through the sea of all those people, as, the conf- as I was choking on the confetti, actually, because I didn't know. <laughs> uh, I happened to look up, and somehow I saw my dad, you know, throwing his hands up in the air. And that's out of all the – the, the cool things that we've done, it's those memories that stick with me most because, you know, he's my family, especially my dad, too, has been my, one of my biggest supporters. So it was very cool. You work for a company that spotlights tag team wrestling that's, you know, elevated essentially. Who are some of the teams you want to work with that either are in your locker room or might not be? They say, okay, this is the team I think we can really do special things with. Well, I think the obvious answer right now is FTR because we've been on parallel paths. We've kind of come close to each other with the eight-man tag match. Uh, you can see there's a little tension in there in that match, but then we kind of went back to our parallel paths. At some point, those paths are going to have to cross because we're two of them. They claim to the most popular tag team pro wrestling, and then if there's anybody else up there with us, it's FTR. And um, truthfully, you know, they've been they've been uh, <clears throat> uh, number one contenders or <laughs> ranked top. <laughs> However long, and they still haven't uh, got that opportunity. I welcome the opportunity for them to wrestle the acclaimed. I know the fans do, so they are probably number one on the list. Uh, number two, we're going to have to at some point get back to the Young Bucks because our very first um, main event, uh, which was 10 matches in, which is probably unheard of, uh, on Dynamite was against the Young Bucks. And they cheated, super kicked uh, Rick Knox right in the face. And uh, I think that's pretty much illegal, guys. So I think I could be. I I think you're onto something. That's you know. I got to tell you, in professional wrestling, Anthony. I mean, people want to talk about how bad officiating is in the NFL, the NBA. Pro wrestling really needs to look into this. (laughs) Well, uh, they should have been disqualified. Uh, And anyway, we need to get that redemption back. And I think we are a completely different team than we were back then. So the dynamic would be different. The energy would be different, way different, considering there was nobody in the audience. It was in the pandemic. (laughs) So I think that is another clash that we'd love to kind of revisit. revisit, Excuse me. Do you ever know what Max is going to say before you go out there? Does he ever run it by you? Or is it always just like the rest of us catch you completely by surprise? Yes and no. Uh, the most I will do is we will go through, um, you know, what's trending, what's going on out there in the world. Because, uh, you know, Max loves to dive into anything that is newsworthy, whether it's politics, whether it's the other company, whether it's pop culture, everything. He hits everything. So I'll kind of give him a, a breakdown of what I've seen because maybe he missed something. And then he goes off somewhere in the arena. 
I don't know where he goes <laughs> and he comes back and he has this this rap. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to know. I want to have a natural reaction. Other times it's like, give it to me because I'm excited to hear what he's come up with. <laughs> you talk about being back home, being in your childhood home. What is the reaction of friends and family where you know family introduces you? Hey, here's my son Anthony. This is what he does for a living. What's the reaction of friends and family? We're like, oh, this is the guy that scissors on national TV. Well, I kind of have a rule with my friends and family if they don't if they're not aware, don't bring it up. I'm very, I'm very introverted when it, in certain scenarios, which is, I guess, a, a shock to some people. For me, there are different aspects. There's so many different parts that make up Anthony Bowens. You know, I am, uh, from just a personal standpoint, I have masculine, I have feminine energy. I'm very quiet. I can be very loud. I am. Uh, I can be boring sometimes. I like to relax and do nothing. Other times I want to be out moving and being social with people. So... I have to unlock certain parts of me sometimes, but most of the time I'm just kind of chill. If I'm at a party, I'm usually kind of the guy at the wall, on the wall, people watching. And um, I don't like the attention unless it's from a wrestling perspective. Um, so it's usually, hey, I'm a bartender or something. <laughs> uh, tell them that. I don't want to have to like go through the awkwardness of, because all the attention turns to you and then I'm like, right. uh, uh, <laughs> So, so what you're saying is you're not going to sit down for Thanksgiving with the championship belt around your waist or set it on the table and get its own spot. That's not happening this year. No, no. I mean, I, I'll be spending Thanksgiving with like my immediate close family <laughs> who I see every, you know, every other month when I come back from Los Angeles, they're already in the loop of everything. So I won't have to worry about, you know, explaining anything or answering silly questions. <laughs> Well, Anthony, I just want to say thank you so much for the time, man. You've been very gracious with the time. I appreciate it. Best of luck to you and the acclaimed. I, for one, am hoping you get that rematch with the Young Bucks. I hope you get that match with FTR. And I, I don't think I'm alone. I think those are matches that the AEW audience certainly want to see. I agree, and I'm excited for them. I'm excited for you guys to tune in uh, every week to Dynamite, every, night to, every week to Rampage. Because remember, AEW doesn't stand for All Elite Wrestling. It stands for Acclaimed every Wednesday. And if you want to know more about me, head to my YouTube with my boyfriend, Michael and Anthony. Like and subscribe. we got parodies, uh, uh, sketch comedies, lifestyle vlogs. Uh, head to Twitter, Instagram if you want to hear my crazy thoughts and silly photos with you know my personal life, uh, my friends, the lads, Hook, top, uh, top Flight, all kinds of crazy shenanigans, at Bones underscore official. And I can't think of any better way of ending this than boys. Throw up them scissors! <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Anthony Bowens joining us here on Good Karma Wrestling. Make sure you tune into us next week. We'll be back on Thursday night. Thursday night next week after the special Wednesday edition. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Good Karma Wrestling.